You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> oh, I was going to start the show with something to do with overtime in the NFL. But yesterday, I'm going through all these uh, news sites, and I see the trailer for Top Gun. Top Gun 2. And of course, I thought, I'm not a big trailer guy. Normally don't like to watch and, you know, get it spoiled or, you know. So I just click on it because I thought, all right, let me see what, how Tom Cruise is looking. This movie came out in 1986. So I go through the 1986? I think 1986. Wow. And I thought, okay, let me see how Tom Cruise is doing. And all right, okay, well, wow, okay, that's interesting. Oh, all right, looks like a plot twist there. So I get through the whole thing, and I said to Paulie, I said, hey, Maverick, looking good, Top Gun 2 coming out. I guess it was done three years ago. And Paulie goes, well, I don't look at trailers. I said, all right, how about you tell me what you think the movie is going to be about? <laughs> and, and so Paulie sent me a synopsis here of what he thinks Top Gun 2 is going to be about. Didn't see the trailer. I I've swear. Only, I've only seen the trailer. Maverick is retired from active duty running the fighter training school in California. He's single. There'll be a love interest. His late best friend, Goose, has a son that's a young hotshot pilot, gets a chance to train under Tom Cruise's watch. Racked with guilt about his friend's death years ago, Cruise tries to teach a defiant young pilot to get his attitude in check and not be so reckless to no avail. Somehow, at the end of the film, Maverick comes out of retirement, teams up with Goose's kid, who finally learns his lesson from Maverick in real combat situation. And guess what? Shocker, they win. <laughs> that is pretty much dead on of what's going to happen, because that's what the trailer shows. How could it not be? You've got uh, Aaron Rodgers' good buddy, Miles Teller. Is that Goose's son? That's Goose's son. Of course it is. Uh, I, his love interest is uh, Jennifer Connelly. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Who doesn't love her? Yes. Single mother, bar owner. Yeah, probably. Daughter of a former admiral. Probably. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, spoiler alert, that pretty much sums up what it looks like with uh, Top Gun 2. You know what? I was surprised with Pauly's synopsis, but I shouldn't be because it's sort of like, okay, how would Hollywood do this? And, uh, you know, Tom Cruise is now teaching somebody to not be like Maverick was when Maverick was coming up back in 1986 with this movie. Yeah. Damn it, Junior. <laughs> He's got to pound the table when he yells at Yeah, him. there has to be. Do you yeah. want to hear the premise from uh, Wikipedia on what the movie is about? Wait, is that the real premise? It's the one that Wikipedia has as the real premise. Well, that might be a spoiler. This is just Paulie's synopsis of what he thinks Top Gun 2. But I think this is also a spoiler <laughs> as well. I'm going to guess this is how this plays out, judging from the trailer that I saw with Top Gun 2. Tom Iceman Kazansky. Hmm. Iceman. Is Val Kilmer in it? I just saw a picture of Val. There, that he's not, he's, I don't think he's actually, I don't know if he's acting in this. I don't know if he was capable of everything he was going through. I think he had throat cancer. That there is a portrait, not a portrait, a picture of him on the wall in his uh, uniform. Yeah, Paul. Remember his hair? Val Kilmer's great in hair. Top Gun. Great hair. Holy cow, it had to be six inches high. Great, great hair. What other movie? Didn't Hoosiers come out in 1986? Oh, 86 has a bunch of good movies. Yeah. There's a ton. Pretty in Pink. That's a pretty classic movie. There's, there's just a ton. Hoosiers, Stand By Me. 
Mm. Wow. Uh, Howard the Duck, Short Circuit. Mm. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ooh, wow. Okay. Little Shop of Horrors, Three Amigos. Um, all right, Big Trouble in Little China. Mm. Back okay. to School with uh, Roddy Dangerfield. Ooh. Karate Kid 2. Mm-hmm. Mm. In 1980, what's the greatest year of movies? Was it 1939? This might be close. Aliens did 200 million. That was a huge movie. Yeah, Sigourney Weaver. But wasn't it? Wasn't there a movie? Uh, the year that you had uh, oh, like Platoon. Dang, Crocodile Dundee did 200 million. Money 300 million. Wow. But wasn't it like 1939? Wasn't there? It's a Wonderful Life and Citizen Kane and Gone with the Wind and like there was one year that there were. You know, maybe the greatest year in movie history. But I thought it was back in late 30s or something like that. Yeah, they said this uh, one thing is describing 39 as a golden Hollywood's golden year. But do they have the movies there? Was it It's a Wonderful Life, Gone with the Wind, Citizen Kane? Anything else in there? Going back to 86, the top movies were Top Gun, money-wise. Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, Aliens, Platoon, Star Trek Four, Karate Kid 2, Back to School... Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The Color of Money didn't do huge uh, at the box office. We got uh, Tom Newton. Cruise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Tom Cruise was in everything back then. Yes. Yeah, uh, Todd? I'm looking at something that says, during Hollywood's golden era, no year glistened more brightly than 1939. Consider this. The nominees for Best Picture in 1940 were Gone with the Wind, Dark Victory, Goodbye, Mr. Chips, Love Affair, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Ninochka of Mice and Men, Stagecoach, Wuthering Heights, and The Wizard of Oz. Wow. It's a pretty good run. And the winner is? I don't know. I have to see which one won. No. Just list the nominees. Okay. <laughs> Need to pay off there. Yeah. That, that would have helped there. We, we could have put a period at the end yeah, of this. Gone with the Wind released in December of 39 has the highest estimated box office gross adjusted for inflation. But I have to see who actually won. Did we call for Tom Cruise? We are about to call for Tom Cruise. So We've called for him a number of times no, before. But, but you didn't. We have not called for him That's a no. Day. That's all that is. Top Gun 2 snuck up on you, didn't it? It kind of did. Okay. Yeah. So see if Tom wants to join us one of these days. Or Miles Teller. Could have Miles on. All right. Welcome to the program. As you can tell, already in progress here. This is what was going on before the show. Now, we were talking about other things sports-wise, but... Uh, then all of a sudden, I brought up the trailer, and Paulie goes, let me just write the, the synopsis. And then I'd go, you saw the trailer. <laughs> and Paulie goes, I didn't. Why do people watch trailers? Doesn't that spoil everything? McLovin used to be a total trailer guy. He would find out the plot of the movie and the ending of the movie before he went to see it. I know. I that, know. That's a maniac. That's way different, though, than watching a trailer. Like I, I, I love watching the trailers. I always watch the trailers because I want to see if it's worth watching or not. I don't go just based on the name or something. But how know? many times do you watch a trailer and you go, did they put all the good stuff in the trailer? Definitely happens. That's usually how I, I if the trailer looks too good, I go, the movie can't be that good. Like they tried too hard for the trailer. But Top Gun 2 set to be released, I guess, uh, this summer. I guess that's when you have a blockbuster release. They've been waiting to release this for three years, something like that. All right, here we go with the headlines. Uh, By the way, we say good morning to our radio and TV affiliates. Uh, Tigers at Augusta prepping for the Masters. No word yet. He did play all 18 holes yesterday with Justin Thomas. And I don't know if Tiger can play Augusta and not play to win Augusta. Like, I don't know if he's wired that way. And 
given what, like he doesn't have to prove himself anymore. And, you know, it's always you kind of prove to yourself. Like Tom Brady can't be the goader. He's the goat. Like he can't be greater than what he is. He's already the goat. Tiger, he's still going to be Tiger, whether he plays or not. But if you go there, I just wonder if Tiger can, can he play to enjoy the moment of nearly dying in a car accident to be able to go out there and just play for two days? Because that's a personal victory lap or two around Augusta. And I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I thought about that yesterday, that you're wired like that. Can you kind of be deprogrammed or, you know, reprogram yourself? Because I don't know if he can compete. Because it's four days, it's walking. I told you the course is, is a lot hillier than, you know, TV shows it. And you can't have a cart. Uh, don't know if he walked it yesterday, but that would be the hard part with this. Mentally, do I think he could do it? Absolutely. Physically, I just don't know. Because his right leg is different than his left leg after that car accident. And to be able to do that and walk that course, I hope it'd be great. Tiger's rarely the underdog, but he's an underdog here. And I think people would love that, eat that up. Plus, he knows that course, loves that course. That course and Torrey Pines, those are, I think, his two favorite courses. But he did play and uh, I guess is prepping for the Masters. The NFL changes the overtime rule for the postseason. We'll talk about that coming up in a moment. Uh, the Bucks drop the 76ers. Grizzlies continue to roll without Ja Morant. Why is it a negative that when the Grizzlies win without Ja Morant, we go, oh, maybe Ja's not that valuable. How about we make it a positive and go, maybe that's a good team. Maybe they step up. Maybe that's what the Lakers should try to do with uh, you know guys being injured. They lost again last night to the Dallas Mavericks. That's not news. You know, it's, only, it's news to me when the Lakers win, not when they lose. Russell Westbrook Jr. the third had a little back and forth with the reporter after last night's loss. What do you think should change? Winning. Okay, that's obvious. What do you think should change? Winning. Winning games, playing hard. Mm-hmm. Ask, you asked a question, I gave you an answer. That's fine. You got an answer to winning? Hi. You have the answer to winning? I'm not out there playing. Maybe I think I'm. You give me the answer for future. <laughs> exactly. So, well, I don't have the answer. You know, right? exactly. If so, you don't have it, you out there. I so can't have it. You ask me to have an answer. You don't have it either. Well, but I don't play, Russell. If you, I want to get the information from you so that I can I'm give it to one you person, Jim. Right? It's a team game. Right. So I don't, I don't have an answer. Okay. Let me have it. I don't have it. So good. But I'm asking the pros who know the game, play the game. Yeah, yeah. What you guys, what you think you can do to make it your part, yeah. their part, their vice sure. That's what I'm asking. No, I really don't. Okay. I respect that. Okay. You got that? Y'all got that? No. Y'all got it? No, we can respect that. It's good. We can respect that. Y'all got that? All right, cool. Y'all got it. Make sure record that. And then they hug it out. You know, Russ gets asked the questions. And he's not handling it well. And he loves to turn it around on you. And look, that question, that's a fair question. What has to change? Like he can say, look, we're injured. Or, you know what, 
Uh, Hopefully we get a chance to gather ourselves and we get into the playoffs because anything can happen. And AD is coming back maybe against the Pelicans. But he loves to kind of make it uh, extended. He doesn't answer anything. And he's frustrated. I get it. And he's probably getting that question more than anybody else is. And I said he's being made to be the scapegoat. Look, there's a reason why he's been on four teams in four years. That style doesn't win. It's fascinating, or at least it used to be. It just doesn't win. Yes, Eaton. I kind of felt like it's fair, though, in that moment that he doesn't have the answers either. <laughs> in a weird way. I know he's the pro and everything, but, like, pfft, I don't know how to fix this well, either. It, you know? Look, if you, if you don't have answers, then just say, yeah. I don't have answers. That's all. But when you're combative with the reporter because he's asking you the question, you know. Nothing is solved there. Yeah, Paul. The visual is interesting because Russell Westbrook kind of is ending this interview time and starts walking off. Then he kind of walks just lightly towards the reporter. The reporter's in the front row. The reporter, of course, stands up. And then you see the L.A. Lakers PR person. I'm not sure his name, but he's in the middle going, where is this going? You can see the look on his face. He sees the cameras. He's being recorded. It's like, is this going to be something or is this going to be nothing? And also watching the Greek Freak last night. I don't think he's going to win the MVP, but I think he is the MVP. And, and I've talked about this before, having voted on this award, where it felt like, oh, you can't vote Jordan again. And I thought, why not? Oh, you got to vote for Carl Malone this year. Okay, I'm voting for Jordan. Oh, you got to vote Charles Barkley. All right, I'm voting for Jordan. And it feels like the Greek freak is competing against himself. There's certain players, LeBron's competing against himself. You get to that point where you go, all right, uh, hey, Greek freak, you're getting 30, 14, and 6 a night. What else you got for me? And it's not fair to him. You know, Luka's kind of competing with himself a little bit, and he's only been in the league a couple of years. It felt like it was Joel Embiid's time. Great player. Uh, although they lost last night, got a shot blocked by by Giannis. But Giannis is, when you think about a two-way player, and we normally don't do that in the NBA. We used to, because you'd go, well, does a guy play defense? Now nobody says that. Giannis plays defense. And And he's a difference maker when he plays defense. But offensively, He's, he gets better. He wants to be better. He's good in big moments. I, I don't think he's going to win, but if you have the best team in the East and they feel like the best team in the East and he's having that year, he should win. It's we've told this story before. And I guess it's the best compliment you can give somebody. It's like you take them for granted that they're that great. Like I expect Giannis to have a great night every night. Sometimes you get surprised with a MVP candidate. You know, the Joker is competing with himself as well. But I, I, I think Embiid is, would, would be the front runner based on how voters kind of look at this, in my opinion, that we're looking for the next story, the good story, something different. And Giannis last night, it just, it, he's so much fun to watch, and I love his enthusiasm to want to be better. You can see it. It's tangible. He wants to be great every single night. And I admire that. This program brought to you by M-Drive Start. Uh, Jumpstart your morning. M-Drive Start, convenient protein powder for driven dudes that 
gives you the energy and nutrition to keep up with your day. Find it at mdrivedan.com. Don't let age beat you. Get mdrive. We'll get to uh, phone calls. We got play of the day, stat of the day, poll question coming up. Peter King going to join us from the uh, NFL meetings. We'll talk about overtime. We'll hear from the commissioner talking about changing the overtime rule. And also the Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley, will join us coming up at the top of next hour. We'll take a break. We're back after this. Dan Patrick Show. And now a message from Discover about customer service and common sense. When you have credit card questions, it's nice to have them answered by a real live person. You know, a human being who actually understands your issues, works to resolve them. Somebody with a knack for helping others and having a pulse. In other words, you don't want a robot. And that's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Now, we call this live customer service. And the emphasis is on the word live. Discover. Discover exceptionally common sense. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Go to DanPatrick.com, buy any dog treat, save 50% on a I Got a Puppy t-shirt. Go to DanPatrick.com, one dog treat to your cart, add that, and uh, your shirt, use the uh, code PUPPY at checkout. We'll check in with Peter King here in a moment. Yesterday, the owners passed a new overtime rule, so each team now has an opportunity to touch the ball in overtime in the postseason. Won't be in the regular season. We can't be certain how it's going to turn out, but this is about star power at the quarterbacking position. And the league has changed a whole quarter to cater to quarterbacks because Josh Allen didn't get to touch the ball against the Kansas City Chiefs. Here is the commissioner, Roger Goodell, on overtime changes. We're always looking to improve. And I think what really drove the decision was the database, ultimately, and looking at the facts and what's happened. Where we saw that most having an influence, I think it was 12 games in, in the postseason have been in overtime, uh, seven of which I believe were won on the first possession. When you see that, that's the type of thing that I think our coaches never looked at. This is an issue in the postseason we should deal with. I don't necessarily mean believe that just because we're doing in the postseason that'll lead to the in the post uh, in the regular season though. Not to correct the commissioner, but I'm going to correct the commissioner since 2012. The team that started with the ball won eight of ten postseason overtime games. He was one off. Let's bring in uh, the popular Peter King, football morning in America economist. If the NFL asked you a week ago, Pete, what would you suggest for overtime in the postseason? What would you say? I'd say you should do exactly what they did. Dan, I think all the other things that are discussed are interesting. Just continuing playing football, having a timed quarter, all that stuff. It's all interesting. But I think the one issue that solves almost everything is simply mandating that the other team get a possession, the second team get a possession. And I'll tell you why the NFL one of the reasons that they didn't pass this in the regular season is that coaches don't want to create longer football games in general. And the players union is adamantly against creating longer games, especially now that the league has gone to a 17 game season. And I understand all the other things that have been discussed. And I think all of them have merit. I mean, everyone, 
you know, the merit of just continuing to play football. But I do think that this one basically solves all the global issues. And Dan, I think one of the other things that it does, it's going to add, uh, in my opinion, intended consequences of having a much more strategic decision and decisions to be made in overtime. Because I believe that most coaches now, if they win the toss to start overtime, are going to defer. Yep. You want the ball second yeah. because you want to know what you have to do. If you hold the team on first down and all you need is a field goal to win, that's different, obviously. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to create some strategy that doesn't currently exist. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, if you were a coach and you won the coin toss, you're more likely to probably defer. Uh, I'm guessing the numbers, the analytics may bear that out. I'm sure, you know, there can be none yet because this hasn't existed, but I I don't know why you wouldn't take the ball second. Um, You know, unless you're a huge believer in momentum. And if you have finished uh, the fourth quarter by scoring 10 points in two minutes and the crowd's going crazy and then you you get your choice or, or, you know, whatever, you, you would probably then choose you might choose to take the ball, but I think most coaches are going to defer. Yeah, that's a great point of momentum and riding that momentum. Um, the situation going on with Deshaun Watson and the commissioner, and he said he's not going to put him on the commissioner's exempt list. Uh, Which is a big story, by the way. Yeah, I was surprised at that. Why, why do you think he said he wouldn't put him on the exempt list? I think it's pretty simple uh, that... I think the NFL is a little bit, I don't want to say fearful, but they have trepidation about using that as a catch-all because they've used it in the past. And, you know, I also think, Dan, that can you imagine if you were the Haslams and you're already under fire? And, and just imagine if they put this guy on the commissioner's exempt list until all of his legal issues had been adjudicated. And you had to pay $46 million to a player for not playing in a season if all these issues weren't adjudicated. But I do think it's significant they said that. And now I think the big question is if they do wait for all of those uh, suits to be settled one way or the other, theoretically, it's possible that he wouldn't be suspended till 2023. Theoretically. And we looked at the restructuring of that contract or the structuring of that contract, and he's going to make a little over a million. And as I pointed out yesterday, while it looks like he's kind of bracing himself to be suspended, Aaron Rodgers is only going to make a million dollars. Yeah, most contracts are done that way. The only reason why everybody brought that up and why I said that made me so angry I wanted to spit nails is because it's very clear that – the Browns like this, that that was a selling point clearly to Deshaun Watson to say that, hey, listen, we are totally in your corner. And no matter what happens this year, we're going to hand you $45 million signing bonus and we're not going to ask for any of it back, regardless how long you're suspended for. We're talking to Peter King, Football Morning in America columnist. Um, who do you think is in more in limbo, Garoppolo or uh, Baker Mayfield? Probably Garoppolo, because I would expect that something would happen with Baker Mayfield before the draft. I'm not sure that Garoppolo 
will get traded before the draft. I think that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch absolutely have told him they love Jimmy Garoppolo. Love him. Uh, And they're going to do the best thing for Garoppolo, if at all possible. But I can see a scenario. If I were the 49ers right now, I'd hang on to Jimmy Garoppolo until something uh, (laughs) non-fortuitous, fortuitous for the 49ers, but bad for somebody else. Some quarterback gets hurt and there's a desperate need for one. And I could see that happening. And if I were them, that's exactly what I do. I'm not trading them for a four or, or something like that. I'm hanging on to them because, look, the 49ers are in position in a weakened NFC to get to the Super Bowl. They came very close last year to getting to the Super Bowl. And so why would they give up the insurance of being really good at the quarterback position. So I think they hang on to him until they get a decent offer. Well, it's like when Teddy Bridgewater got injured and Sam Bradford was traded from the Eagles and they, I think, got a number one pick uh, or first they round did. pick for him. And that trade happened, Dan, that trade happened on Sunday of Labor Day weekend or Saturday on Labor Day weekend, like eight days before the season started. So that's why you hang on to Jimmy Garoppolo because – you just never know what's going to happen. And then Baker Mayfield with that salary, that that would be a nice salary for a starting quarterback, but nobody wants to pay $18 million for a guy that you're not sure if he'll be a starting quarterback. Is that the biggest hangup here? Yeah, I mean, well, that plus the fact that most teams have settled their quarterback uh, situation, uh, and, and that hasn't included Baker Mayfield. The thing is, Dan, do you want to pay $18.9 million Uh, for a quarterback to play 17 games who you're not sure he's going to be anything other than a bridge quarterback for your team. Imagine you're the Carolina Panthers and you would sign him. Let's just say, I mean, first of all, then you stand in the way of getting some final answer on Sam Darnold. You might stand in the way of saying, man, we love Malik Willis. Uh, Let's just take him at number six and, and if you're Seattle, I mean, you, if you were to sign Baker Mayfield in Seattle, you would want, I would think, to do an extension with him and say, hey, look, we're going to give you a real chance to be our quarterback, but we don't want to hamstring ourselves financially to do it. Yeah, it feels like if I'm Carolina, you know, a couple of these teams you mentioned, I may just try to get through this year. I may roll the dice, may draft somebody and just – and see if I find, you know, gold here. Not bring somebody in who's going to be ready to get extended and want, you know, whatever kind of money if he has a successful year. You know, this is a funny year for the draft, Dan, because you saw in December, everybody said, no quarterback's going to get picked till 26. Or, you know, you were seeing all those things. Well, now you have all the pro days and you got one team that's excited about Desmond Ritter. You've got a couple of teams that are really excited uh, you know, about, about Malik Willis, uh, you know, and obviously Kenny Pickett, the interesting story about Kenny Pickett is that if you really search deep into the archives, the deep internet, and you guys can find this, it's hilarious. There is a photo of Matt rule and high school junior Kenny Pickett (laughs) posing at temple university after he agreed uh, you know, committed to go to Temple. And then 
seven months or eight months later, Matt Rule was gone. He rescinded his commitment and changed to Pitt. But that has drawn a lot of people to say, hey, what about the Panthers yep. and Kenny Pickett? And just imagine, though, what would be really interesting if Pickett makes it to the top of the second round. Who knows? Carolina could end up picking him. Okay, we have a draft bet. Paulie thinks that a quarterback will be selected in the first 13 picks. Uh, I would I would agree with that, but I would also say that I'm not at all convinced that whoever picks a quarterback will pick at their original, their current spot. Oh. I would not be surprised. Let's say the Steelers are in love with Malik Willis. I don't know that they are or they aren't, but uh, Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert have been to all these pro days. Uh, but the, whoever, the Steelers pick 20th. If there's a guy they really want, you know, they've shown it. They'll be active to try to move for him. Great to talk to you, Pete. Hope you're doing well, and uh, thanks for joining us as always. Okay, Dan, all the best to you. That's Peter King, Football Morning in America columnist and contributor to Football Night in America. Paulie just sent me the picture, and there's Kenny Pickett. Got his uh, Temple jersey on, and there with Matt Rule. And and, uh, Pickett, of course, ended up going to uh, Pitt. Seton, what uh, poll question do we have today? Well, Dad, to start the show off, we put up who is your NBA MVP Ooh. right now? We only gave three options. Okay. Because, like, Jason only Tatum's. three? Yeah. Jason Tatum's not getting it. Okay. Booker's not getting it. All right. Um, LeBron's probably not getting it. Yeah. Right? So we have Nikola Jokic, uh, Joel Embiid, or Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm going to give you credit for the pronunciation there. Thanks. Well done. I would probably put Luka in there. He's not going to win. I think it'll be curious to see, does LeBron finish top five in the league vote, not our vote with the show? I'm curious if he finishes top five MVP. I'll put LeBron in there, too. When's the last time LeBron didn't finish top five MVP? Ooh. I'm curious. Because out of those three, I, I've been saying for a couple of months I thought it was Embiid, his, his award to lose. And not that he'll lose it, but... Man, the Greek freak is coming to get it. Yeah, Pauling. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Luca's not really mentioned. And the Mavericks are stepping up this year. I think they. I won. think they have the third best record right now. They, yeah, they're forty-seven and twenty-nine, and they've won seven more games this season than they did at this point last season. And he doesn't have a number two guy. Like all of these guys were t- now. You know, you can say the Greek freak doesn't have a traditional number two guy. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Those are those are really good players. But you know, Luca's got. Dinwiddie, Brunson, they traded Porzingis. So when you go, hey, you got to do it every single night. Remember when Durant was going, yeah, they were double teaming me. Yeah, that's what Luka faces every night, KD. You've been on all these teams where you got a lot of talent. You know, when Kyrie's not playing, you're like, "Eh, they're double teaming me. Did you see where Kyrie said that he needs some rest? (laughs) No, he didn't. (laughs) He did. He said he needed some rest. Well, that's when, you, like, when you go back from a vacation and you work two days, you're, right. you're like, I need a break. <laughs> I'm tired from my vacation. Oh, uh, Andrew in Washington. Andrew, welcome back to the program. All righty, guys. Good morning. Thanks for uh, taking my call again. I appreciate it. Um, thanks for the segue from Peter King to the NBA, because that's what I want to talk about. 
I really think LeBron James has one focus and one focus only. That's getting his 78% of games played and winning the scoring title. Yeah. The Lakers looked horrible last night. But in that realm, you always say the MVP is a storyline. I don't think Jokic is going to go back-to-back. That's not what they want. No. Giannis three times is very elite company, but I think that's where they'll go for the story. And I do have a stat of the day. All right, Marvin, hit the music. The Lakers allowed 82 points, yes, 82 points in the first half last night for the Dallas Mavericks. That's the most first-half points allowed by the Lakers since Hotline Hundley and Boo Ellis played for the Minneapolis Lakers in 1959. That was good. Phone quality, not as good, but we'll accept that. By the way, Paul George scored 34. First game back in three months. The Clippers were down 25 and beat the Jazz last night. There have been seven comebacks of 24 or more points in the NBA this season. Four of them by the Clippers. Stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day. Here comes that what? one stat of the day. Uh, yes, Paulie Esther? I don't like it. Paul George scoring 34, 35. He's got to have a couple 17, 21-point mm. games. Stay healthy. Mm. Too, don't do too much. Don't yes, overdo it. That's true. You just come back from vacation. He may need a rest. Yes. You know, just like Kyrie. I am exhausted. Play of the day is up next. More phone calls. We'll talk to the Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley, on the new overtime rules. He's already a risk taker. So we'll talk to him about what kind of strategy he would have coming up next season. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Mike check. Mike check. If you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game, what's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. So make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever Get your podcast from. Oh my God! The play of the day. This is the play of the day. Check this out. Here is Dodge again against Gabriel to his left, back and forth, pulling up for three. Got it again. Yeah, he's cooking now. He's got all the ingredients at 212 degrees, and another timeout by Frank Vogel. Tenth triple-double the season. He sat out the fourth quarter. Mavericks blow out the Lakers. That's courtesy of the Mavs Radio Network. That's your play of the day. Play of the day brought to you by, if you're a valued customer, you deserve a glimpse, a simple gesture, 
appreciation from your credit card. That's why Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. Paulie has a uh, Top Gun plot question. I got to see the trailer for Top Gun 2. Paulie doesn't want to watch the trailer, but he gave me the entire synopsis of what he thinks Top Gun 2 is going to be about. And judging from the trailer, looks like you're dead on. Okay, Dan, so let's say you were the executive producer of Top Gun and they were fiddling with the script and the ending. Fiddling. Let's say it's, like we said, in, in Maverick, Tom Cruise's character comes out of retirement to fight the the Russians or whatever it may be, and mm-hmm. it's some type of, you know, uh, the last scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. And he is has a goose, his old partner, the son, da-da-da. Would you have Maverick die in that scene, saving the kid? If there was going to be a Top Gun 3. If there, if there's not a Top Gun 3, then Tom Cruise can't die. Can't do it. But My, for a, an impact of the movie, if Tom Cruise sacrifices himself to save the kid. Yeah. But I don't know if Miles Teller is a lovable enough person, an embraceable enough person where you go, well, but he saved Miles Teller. I don't think so. Yes, Eden. Imagine if they had the kid, the kid die the same way the dad did. Oh, oh, <laughs> that'd be pretty dark. Like, in the la- yes. like what a coincidence this is! <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't pull again. the thing. Don't eject. Don't. E- no, that's where Maverick has to go. You know, it might be me. It, it might be me. Uh, RJ in Colorado. Hey, RJ, welcome back. Hey there, DP. How's it been? Good, good, good. What's on your mind? Oh, just wanted to bring up a possible. We'll call it a Elite Eight, maybe Final Four bracket of the best impressions there in the DP Man Cave. A Final Four best impressions. Okay. Kind of like we got Fritzy back there with Mike Tyson and possibly with Bruce Springsteen or his most recent California girl that he always uh, yeah. talks about when he was doing his last uh, moment of hitting on them. Yeah. Andrew Luck, maybe, with the front row and. Jimmy Jimerson, but I'm kind of interested in what you guys are thinking about that. Mm, because right. when I was in inside, when I was in prison there, I had to do a couple impressions to kind of keep myself out of a little bit of hot water. And one of them was when I was resting a basketball game. I was needing to do one. I kind of want to do the impression and see if you guys can't pick out who it is. All righty. All right. Uh, give me so, your impression, uh, RJ. And then hopefully you can tell who it is. So here we go. Okay. One, two, three <laughs> seconds. You've got to move. Move out of the lane. Get out of the paint, guys. Come on. I like it. Thank you, RJ. Well done. No Christopher Walken there. No Christopher Walken. <laughs> Fritzy, I think Fritzy does the best impersonations, though. But, okay, if we were saying who does the best, like the best singular impression here in the room, because Fritzy does the Valley Girl, Springsteen, Marge Simpson. Marge yeah. Simpson's about as spot on that, as that, it could get. Yeah, that that one's good. I think Fritzy could fill in for the Marge Simpson voice. Yes, he it, could. It's almost that good. Yeah. What was that guy in prison for anyway? I'm a little frightened. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. And you don't hear a lot of people doing Marge Simpson, but uh, Todd, Todd has mastered that. Uh, you got uh, Sylvester Stallone. You do that. Uh, I don't know about you, but I thought maybe if he wasn't doing nothing the next 30, 40 years, <laughs> he wouldn't mind marrying me too much. Uh, but maybe that one's not your best. 
Yeah, just more Apollo Creed. Yeah, yeah. Apollo. What's the matter with you? <laughs> there is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There you go. They're yeah. gonna fight Rock. You thought I was tough? This guy will kill you. And then uh, <laughs> and Springsteen. You know, it's kind of a one-trick pony here. With all you. right. Oh yeah. Come on now. <laughs> Bring it home. We all go home now. All right. All right. Thank you, Tom. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> this guy will kill you. This guy will kill you. <laughs> every every one of your impressions sounds painful. I try. I make these facial expressions. Yeah, and I try yeah. to really get into the character. You thought I was tough. This guy will kill you. Sean in Huntington <laughs> Beach. Hi, Sean. Welcome back. ADP. Hey, bud. Six feet, 210. All right. Hey, DP, need some help here. So oh. you guys started off talking about uh, movies. I'm a high school teacher, so usually my days are... You know, pretty busy trying to get 15-year-olds interested in math. But yesterday I had surgery on my shoulder for uh, my rotator cuff and my torn labrum. So need some help to try and get these days to go by a little bit faster. You guys end at 9 a.m. Pacific time here. So if I could ask, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite book? And what's your favorite drink to help you get through these days? Uh, thanks, Steve. All right. The show. Thank you, Sean. Man, I have been in that position before. Torn labrum, rotator cuff damage. That is a long process there. Todd, favorite book, favorite movie, favorite drink? Favorite movie would probably be Rocky or any one of the okay. first three. Right. Uh, the Very Hungry Caterpillar by Eric Carle. And Go Dog Go. I know those are little kid books, but I have uh, very good memories of that. And A Snowy Day. All right. I really like this. And favorite drink? You would think it would be Mountain Dew, but I'm going to go Dr. Brown's Black Cherry. I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Uh, Seton O'Connor. What is it? Favorite book? Movie, drink. Uh, My favorite movie is Animal House. My favorite book is uh, probably something by Charles Bukowski. Maybe Ham on Rye. I really love Post Office, actually. That was a good book. Um, and my favorite drink, yeah. an old-fashioned. All right. Marvin, book, movie, drink? Uh, favorite book, The Jordan Rules. <laughs> I've read that book three times. It's so good. Right. Don't tell me how it ends. Okay, I won't. All right. Um, favorite movie, I'm going to go with Shawshank. Okay. And then uh, favorite drink, because I'm 12, Shirley Temple. All right. Paulie? God, this is the toughest thing we've ever done on this show. Uh Goodfellas came in my mind for my favorite movie. I, I watch it over and over. Okay. Uh, favorite drink, probably Dark and Stormy, like the ginger beer. Book, Catcher in the Rye when I was in seventh grade. Okay. I'd probably go straight up tequila. Book, who wrote Shakespeare. Movie, probably Shawshank. A lot of life lessons in that movie. The Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley, will join us coming up in 10 minutes from now. Hope you'll join us as well.